Welcome to Legacy, Oldham County Public Library's oral history collection online. Today's interview features Lem Benjamin Abbott. Mr. Abbott was born on February 19, 1907, and this interview was recorded on November 20, 1980. This is part one of Mr. Abbott's interview. Today is Thursday, November the 20th, 1980. My name is Margaret Fishback. I'm the Oldham County Librarian. Mr. L.B. Ben Abbott of this county will be interviewed this afternoon by Mrs. Mary Edna Snyder. Ben Abbott, would you state or tell us your full name like you did a few minutes ago when you were talking to us? Lem Benjamin Abbott. How do you spell Lem? L-E-M. But you used to go by? Ben. Mm-hmm. And you sign your name L.B. Abbott. Right. All right. Would you tell us um, your birth date? February the 19th, 1907. And where were you born? What part of the uh, county were you born in? In the Patton Creek community of Oldham County. That's kind of in the northern, or northeastern, isn't That's it? That's the northeastern section, yes. Uh, near Trimble County. Patton Creek separates Oldham County and Trimble County. And you were born on the Oldham County side? I was born on the Oldham County side. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you have given us your birth date. We'd like to know who your parents were. My parents were Fleming Abbott and Julia Abbott. And um, do you know anything about, uh, or were you living on a farm, or where were you born? Uh, we, we were living on a farm, and you want me to go further then? Yes, you tell us all you can about that farm and about your grandparents. My, I was told by my grandfather that my great-great-grandfather staked a claim here with this farm now is. And uh, through the years, it's been handed down to the different ones in the family. And when my father got it, it was approximately 100 acres, which started out something like 400 to 500. We grew up there on this farm after we were born and attended a little one-room schoolhouse when we became of school age, which was located in Trimble County, right across the creek about three-quarters of a mile from where I live. We walked to school every day, unless it was raining real hard and the creek was up. Then we had to ford the creek on a horse to get to the main road to go to the school. And who is we? That my brother and, and my twin brother, Howard, and my older brother, Willie Martin, and my oldest sister, Lillian. So there were four of you children in the family? There was four children in the family. Two girls and two boys? No, one girl and three boys. <laughs> My mistake. 
All righty, and um, you crossed the, the Oldham County line to go into Trimble County to go to school. Yes, ma'am. And uh, now, um, your school, what was the school like that you attended there? The school was a little one-room proposition, I would say approximately 30 foot long and 12 foot wide, with school benches on either side and, and through the middle was opening you could walk in from the front door. A big pot-bellied stove sat in the middle of the schoolroom, and that was fed by coal and wood to keep the warm the room warm in wintertime. We had to go down to the creek, which is just a short distance from the schoolhouse in the fall when we first started school and picked up driftwood, which was fairly dry, and then piled under the school building for kindling to make fires during the wintertime. We carried our lunches with us in little pails. Mothers would fix our lunches before we'd go to school. And then we would place them on shelves that was built in the back room of the school building which was furthest away from the fire, so they'd keep cool during the school period. The school pails I mentioned were little half-gallon buckets that Syrup came in that our mothers fixed up for the school lunches. Our coats also, when we wore them in the wintertime for warmth, was placed on nails that was driven in the wall uh, back by our dinner pails. About how many children? They, they were about... Uh, 20 to 25 children attended the school, ranging from the first grade up through the eighth grade. The school building had a long bench up near the front where the teacher sat, and there's where the teacher called up each class for recitation. The name of our school was Pal Valley, and the first teacher that I went to was Miss Ora Ross. And she stayed with some cousins which lived approximately a mile from the school. And by the way, most teachers that taught those one-room schools did stay with some of the families that had pupils in school. And this will floor you, I'm sure, because Ordinarily, the teacher paid anywhere from two to three dollars a week for a room and board. And sometimes when weather was bad, the folks that she stayed with would take her to school in a buggy or on horseback. I might inform you that Miss Ora Hayes, which was my first school teacher married 
Lee Ross. And she was uh, one of the teachers that uh, that roomed out or with uh, boarded with the parents. Yes, ma'am. Right. Who were some of your other teachers, Ben? Miss Winnie Kidble, uh, Miss Reva Ford, Miss Emma Pig, also Miss Virginia Leet. And those were your teachers over at the Powell Valley School. All except uh, Miss Leet. One year, Powell Valley School didn't function, and we had to walk to Covington, which is in Oldham County, and that was the name of the school, Covington Public School, in Oldham County, which is approximately three miles from where I live. And that's where Miss Virginia Lee taught. And she taught that that was a rural school. Yes, in still a one-room school. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. That's from the Covington Church. Yeah. And uh, some of the activities we had in these one-room schools were various. Uh, we put on little plays during Christmas periods, and uh, we went out in the woods and cut down a cedar tree, brought it in for a Christmas tree made uh, chains out of paper by gluing them together with glue, uh, different colors of paper, also strung popcorn and uh, trimmed the tree with popcorn and these colored papers, and other uh, homemade articles like Santa Claus, angels, and um, then the teacher would have a little play put on by some of the older children, and the program consists of, most times, uh, Christ when he was born, and uh, the families would bring along some bed sheets, white bed sheets, make curtains out of them, string wires across the building so that they could make a partial stage and the players would be not noticed till they came out on the stage. What were some of the fundraising activities in the school, Ben? Well, the mothers of the girls that went to school would bake pies, and uh, they would have what they call a pie sale. They'd have somebody in the neighborhood to come in, usually an auctioneer that auctioned off sales. And the whole families would go to this pie supper, and the young boys that went to school, of course, naturally had a claim on a certain girl. In that case, he wanted to buy her pie. And sometimes they'd pay three or four dollars for a pie. In those days, that was real money. Do you remember the names of any auctioneers at these pie suppers, Ben? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Mr. Bob Latimer, who did a lot of auctioneering in the country and sales, he just delighted in come to these pie suppers and sell the pies. Uh, and I might add that uh, it never cost the school a penny for the auctioneer. They, you might want to know what the funds was used for when the, uh, this money was brought in 
from a sale of pies. Uh, we had a little bookcase there that was built by one of the farmers, and uh, the school teacher then would buy library books for this school. In the little school I mentioned, Pal Valley, we had approximately 100 books in that library, a lot of them by Zane Gray. The games we played was mostly homemade, too. Uh, we played what they call Sugarloaf Town, dare-based. That is where we chose up sides, and on either side, you'd have a base about 25 or 30 foot uh, from each other, and then you would come forward, and uh, you'd ask uh, what you made up. And if you guessed what you was doing, you was making some kind of a sign, uh, maybe sewing or uh, playing ball or uh, hoeing corn or something of that sort. If they guessed what you was doing, then you had to run back to your base. And if it caught you, well then, of course, you had to go back to their base. And the, if one side caught all the children from the other side, then that ended the game. Mm -hmm. That was a winner. That was a winner. We also played baseball. Uh, we had a front yard there was fairly nice size. We marked it off and made base out of rock that we picked up. And then we had bats. We went out in the woods and cut a little hickory tree down and trimmed it out with a drawing knife. You probably don't know what a drawing knife is. But anyway, we made a bat, and we made our own balls. How do you make them? Not like they make them now. We unraveled an old yarn sock and uh, put a little rubber ball inside of it and start winding. After we wound several winds around it, then we took some thread and we sewed it good so it wouldn't ravel off. Then we'd wind some more on it, and we'd sew it again until we got it as large as we wanted it. And then we'd take and sew it real good so it wouldn't ravel. And that's what we had for a baseball. Of course, it wasn't very good if you got it wet. Of course, boy, I'll tell you, that hits you in the stomach or in the mouth. You have a flat mouth for a while. One time, I was catching behind the bat with no mask, no gloves in those days, you know. And they threw that ball down there. The guy tipped it. And of course, you know what happened? Hit me right in the mouth. And I had some swollen up lips for several days after that. Now, the game I called dare-based, I didn't explain that. They chose sides, kind of like you would on uh, any other game, and then one person would come down to your side, which is about 30 foot apart, and about three foot from the main base where most of the where the, all the people stood, you come down and you touch that spot, and when you did, you had to run back to your side. If you was caught before you got back to your base, then you was captured and taken uh, to the other side, and whoever got the most prisoners was winners. Uh, ben, what can you tell us of, that you remember either going to school, from school, or at school that you haven't told us already? 
Oh, yes, there was one thing. Mr. Adcock made sorghum molasses just about a quarter of a mile from the school building and was real close to the road we had to travel. We would stop in there in the evenings to get some skimmings. If you know what skimmings is on sorghum molasses, maybe some of you don't. The foam. The foams, right. Mm -hmm. Then, if he had a run ready to come off, there had to be just a certain size. Mm -hmm. Certain stage. Certain stage before he'd run them off. Otherwise, they would be burnt if you stayed on too long, or they wouldn't be cooked enough if it didn't stay at the right time. What he said you could tell by was when they winked at you, they, of course, that would be a little bubble come up and burst. And when they began to do that, then he said the molasses was ready to come off. And he would make us wait there before he gave us any skimmings until he made the run. And he says, you stand back here now, stand back. As soon as we make this run, we'll give you all skimmings. And he did. He took his skimmer and gave us all skimmings. And then we trimmed out a little paddle out of the sorghum stalk to make a spoon. And we ate the skimmings with this sorghum stalk as we come on home. Well, didn't you also uh, visit the persimmon tree over there? No, I'm sorry, there wasn't a persimmon tree in that vicinity in our school. Uh, Howard, I mean, uh, Ben, uh, uh, let's go back to your family for a moment, and um, we'd like to find out the order of the children's birth. You had, There were four of you, but how, in what order? Well, now, Brother Howard and I were the youngest. Born, as I said, February the 19th, 19th. My, Willie Martin, my brother, was six years older. Uh, he was born December the 25th, uh, 1902, I believe. And my sister, Lillian, was the oldest. She was born in the 1899, uh, January the 31st. Now, my father, Fleming Abbott, was a direct descendant of William Thomas Abbott, which was my grandfather. And my great-grandfather was John Abbott, who I mentioned in the beginning, who came and staked to claim at the time this farm was instigated in the Abbott name, which entails approximately 200 years. All right, now, who did your, do you know who your grandfather married, William Thomas? He married Abbott. Nancy Morgan. All right, do you know who your great-grandfather married, John Abbott? Uh, he, he married a Tap. All right, his, he married, but you didn't remember the first name no. of the Tap. All right, now we want to come down, who did you marry? I married... Van Meter. All right, that's two names, V-A-N, mm -hmm. Van, and capital M-E-T-E-R. Right. All right, and how many, uh, how about your children? Do you have any children? I have uh, three, three children, uh, Zora Nan and Julia Ann, 
Are they twins? They were twins, my first children. Born down in Mississippi when I was in the Army, Hattiesburg, October the 12th, 1943. Then about six and a half years young later, we have another daughter named Nancy Ben. She was born the, May the 24th, I believe, in 1950, here in Mallory Taylor Hospital in LaGrange. Each uh, daughter has two children. Nan has two daughters, Rebecca Dixon and Rachel Dixon. All right, and the other? Uh, Anne has two children, one boy, <coughs> Carl Benjamin, and one daughter, Laura Nan. And Nancy Akers, my youngest daughter, has two daughters, Jennifer Akers and Erin Akers. Jennifer is seven and Erin is three. All right, who did Ann marry, Ben? Ann married Carl Beard. His father and his brother, other brother, owns a grocery store at Pee Wee Valley, which they all work in. Right, now who did your, let's go over to your brother for a minute. Uh, Howard, your twin brother. Uh, who did he marry? Howard married Bessie Lee Jeffries. Did they have any children? They had uh, two boys, Ben Howard and Donald Keith. All right, Ben Howard then was named for the twins. Right. For you and your brother. That's right. All right. And uh, so um, you, it, it, is there any other habits on that side, on, your, on Howard's uh, descendants that you, uh, grandchildren and so forth, children, grandchildren that you haven't mentioned? Uh, Keith, the youngest son of Howard's, has three boys, James Howard and Jason, I believe, and they have another smaller child, I don't know his name, is about hardly a year old. Does he have any girls? No girls. Well, they're great nephews then. Yes, great nephews. Now, Ben Howard has one daughter, and her name is... Um, That's all right. Now, Willie Martin had one daughter. I almost left her out. Her name is Doris, and she has two children, Randy Rankin, Jr., Now, my sister didn't have any children. Uh, you say you'd like to know where my brother got the name of Willie Martin? I'd like to know where the Martin came from, yes. Well, as I recall, there was a doctor in the neighborhood at that time. His name was Martin. I don't know his first name. But he was but Dr. Martin. He was Dr. Martin. But, of course, in most of the cases in those days, the babies was born. Before the doctor got there, he just cleared everything up when he got there. Midwives did most of the work. 
Uh, ben, you must have finished your eighth grade in the one-room school, Powell Valley. I did. School. All right. Uh, is there anything else that uh, you remember that you wanted to add to um, anything about the school or on the way home from school? Yes, I might add that uh, we had to go to the county seat in those days and pass an examination before we could go to high school. Uh, and uh, then uh, on the way home, I left out something I'd like to bring in about the Sargo Mill. They uh, ground this cane by hitching a horse to the Sargo Mill and putting a lead up to his mouth uh, on, tying to a pole in front of him, and he went round and round and around and around. And uh, then somebody had to feed this sorghum into the mill, which was uh, uh, three big uh, steel rollers that the sorghum went through, squeezed the juice out, which ran down into a, a tub. And then this tub then was emptied into the evaporator in one end. And as it built the fire up, it began to get warmer and starting to cook. By the time it get to the other end of the evaporator, which is approximately six or eight foot long, it came out as molasses. Ari, what about the fireplace that that evaporator sat on? Describe that, Ben. Well, now, that was uh, uh, dug uh, uh, in the ground about uh, two or three foot deep. And was it how long? And it was... Uh, about uh, 10 foot long, and at one end, they bu built a smokestack, which uh, the smoke would come out and wouldn't get in your eyes up, say, possibly 10 foot high. And, and uh, then they would feed the wood into this, uh, underneath of this evaporator as... Was there a wall along each side of Well, that? yes, there was. In most cases, they took rock and built the wall up there and then took the dirt that they dug out of this trench and put along the sides so as you could walk uh, along each side and get the what they call the green skimmings off. If uh, you didn't take those green skimmings off, then it would make your molasses taste bitter. Bitter. <laughs> Uh, ben, would you tell us more about your parents uh, and what they did for a living uh, and your life, the family life on the farm? Yes, ma'am. We came home from school. We usually took off our clothes we wore to school. We had some uh, older clothes we used, very economical it had to be in those days to work on the farm. We each had chores to do when we came home from school, and uh, we all did them. Uh, wasn't any question like it is today with some of our children. Mother and Dad asked us to do these things. You were expected we to do it. We didn't, and we expected to do it, yes. And we did. Uh, when Most usually, in the fall, of course, was housing tobacco time. And when we got home from school, uh, Dad would have the horses all ready, and uh, we would go out and uh, house tobacco uh, for a couple of three hours before dark, uh, cut it, put it on a stick, and then uh, haul it to the barn and put it up in tears. 
my dad raised a few cows. We milked the cows, but I never liked to milk cows very much. However, we had cream and butter, which we got from the cows, had chickens, which we got eggs from. All right, I'm going to have to close out this tape uh, then because I see that our signal is flashing. And I'd like to close the tape by stating that this is an interview uh, being done by Marietta Snyder on Ben Abbott um, for the Oral History Committee of Oldham County. And um, this is uh, November the 20th, 1980. And we will continue the tape on the other side. This concludes our episode of Legacy, Oldham County Public Library's oral history collection online. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you'd like to know more about the oral history collection, please feel free to visit us at www.oldhampl.org.